A habit is taking a hike down a trail in our brain. And it can be a great trail, or it can be a trail that we've just been on it for so long that we don't even realize it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't even know that there are other trails in the forest, so to speak, metaphorically, that are prettier. The birds sing more clearer on that trail. Yeah. And so taking a look at what are your habits and seeing, like we said, does this align with who I want to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who I really want to be. And am I doing these things to justify something that I don't want to justify anymore. Right. Mm. A habit has such potential to feed our brains with nutritious food or deplete us. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, Happy New Year. Today, Hannah and I get to sit down with OnSite's equine and adventure director, Megan Repass. We thought it would be fun to start our first episode of the new year talking all about habits. I know that in my life and in different seasons, I've had the tendency to set all the goals and ignore the habits that get me there. The three of us did a deep dive into the concept of habits, how they show up in our lives, the science behind how to form new ones and break old ones, and Megan even gave us a glimpse into what horses can teach us about habits. It was such a fascinating conversation, one that is changing the ways that I pursue intentions and goals and change in the coming year, and I really hope that it meets you where you're at today. Our habits are the sum of our lives, and I am learning how to lean in, start small, and celebrate the wins. Well, Megan, I'm so excited to be sitting down with you. This is officially the first episode that we've gotten you. Just you. Just you. Whoa, really? I think so. Not even with like equine therapy? We did one for the Train Trauma podcast, yeah. Oh, Train Trauma, yeah, we did do that. It was a different podcast. Okay. It's so funny how... You picked, I thought about this, I'm like, out of all the wonderfully gifted, talented therapist, mm-hmm. staff, co-workers, human beings here at OnSite. It's a lot of them. Why in the world did you pick me for habits? I, I really actually thought about that, and I was like, I don't really think I have anything to, like, share, or how can I speak into this? And then I thought about it, I'm like, well, I definitely have experience in helping people mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, changing their habits, creating new ones. But then I thought about my own life, and I'm like, no, I got a track record of all the good and the bad and the ones that still need to be adjusted or tweaked. So, yeah, I thought about a lot last night in my huh. bed. Because when you really stop and think about, like, the habits that you have, right? Mm-hmm. there's so many that you're that unaware of. Also unaware of. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole point of a habit. It's, you right. know, done with little thought and often What are some of the habits that you, like, started Realizing that you have that maybe you don't even think about. Um, well, one, well, there's a bunch, but one was um, smiling at people. Mm. I always smile at people. Yeah. It's That's just, it's one. a, it's an instinct at this point. But I've noticed, I, I mean, even to the point of where I've had people say, why are you smiling? <laughs> I just <laughs> smile at people. Like if you're a stranger, and I think, well, why aren't you smiling? So um, chewing gum is a big one. I knew about that. I'm not ready to step into that one yet because I don't want to give it up. But that's a big one for me. Why do you feel like it's a bad one? Because my TMJ is horrific and Mm. my dentist has told me for four years and he stopped chewing gum and I just, I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, this is an interesting like meta question. Like what is a habit versus what is a response to what is an action? What makes it a habit? Yeah, I love it. So like there's habits, there's routines, there's trauma responses. Yeah, I've done. And like it also needs to be said, there are people that this is all they do is research habit formation, habit loops, all that stuff. And there's so much like, so for if anyone's really trying and wanting to learn more about this, like (laughs) I would go outside of this podcast and and do some more research and and ask for professional help. But I was thinking the other day about the habit versus a trauma response. And oftentimes like our our clients here, especially some clients at Milestones I've worked with, they'll say, oh, it's such a bad habit that I have when it's not a habit at all. It's 
a response right. to a trigger that holds the same weight as a traumatic event in mm-hmm. your life. And so oftentimes a trauma response, there's a somatic feeling with it. Mm. Something in our body pops up. It's, again, unintentional, unconscious, so it can look like a habit, but it doesn't involve a repeated behavior mm. or a routine. What mm. might be an example yeah. of something that is a trauma response rather than a habit? Yeah, so a trauma response, often. I'll use my my own life as an example. Years ago, if I were driving past a airport mm-hmm. and I saw planes taking off or landing, I would get nauseous. My hands would start to get numb. The left side of my face would get numb and tingly. I would um, get sweaty palms, and I would have a visceral reaction. Now, someone could say, oh, it's just such a bad habit that happens when you see airplanes. No, that was a trauma response. Mm. My body was having that reaction. Mm. Or um, sometimes people can have a certain smell. Mm. At the moment they smell it, something comes up for them. And it's, they're not doing a, a behavior or a routine in response to it. Their body just reacts. So um, it's the involuntary nature of it. Yeah, yeah. And as, as you all know, with trauma responses, it's connected to something that occurred. Yeah. You know, right. something from our past. Whereas a habit doesn't have to be connected to anything from our past. It can just form from, you know, mm-hmm. a cue or repeated behavior and then a, right. a, a reward. And right. now it becomes a cycle. And the more we do it, that's how it becomes a habit. But they kind of feel similar in that. They do. Your trauma response is serving you in some way, too. Yes. Your yeah, body's, like, like getting something yes. out, and there is a cue, which is a trigger or an activation of something that mm-hmm. reminds you of a traumatic experience. So that's—I can and understand that's how someone would feel like, oh, no, this is a habit of mine, when yes. actually digging a little deeper, this is outside of your control and, like, something that we can mm-hmm. address that's mm-hmm. connected to a deeper trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I brought it up because when he said smiling, I was like, I never think about smiling as a habit. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I just think of that as something I do. And or I part of your personality, nature of growing up a woman or mm. growing up in a, I grew up in a faith-based household. It was like, always was expressed to smile at people, to be warm toward. And I think we all are to some degree yeah, yeah. Yeah. told that, but is that, I never thought about it being a habit, more of just like a trained reaction or a response. A or a, response, yeah. As a woman, I've been told a lot like, oh, you should smile more. Or why, why don't you smile or whatnot? And so I think for me too, that could be also a trauma response to like, yeah. I don't want to be told yeah. that I'm looking too harsh or right. I'm too aggressive or whatever. Mm. Right. So yeah. I feel like that's a blurry yeah. thing to understand. It, it's the, it can get murky in all the things, right? Because, yeah. and also when we're talking about trauma responses, often that's, that it's a survival mechanism. Totally. Right. You know, and habits aren't necessarily always that. It can just be like, I thought of another example. Um, when I see a dog usually the thing that comes out of my mouth is, oh, what a good boy. Right. And the reason why I said, what a good boy, just like that, is because I was born and raised with boy dogs. I've always had boy dogs. Right. It's a habit. There's a cue. I see a dog. I have said the same thing for 30-plus years. And then usually the reward is I get to pet the dog or whatever. It's a very simple change of, what a good puppy dog. Because now there's no, you know, it could be a puppy, it could be a dog, whatever. But just that habit of, oh, what a good boy. It's right. so funny. Yes. Totally, totally. I do Things that all the like time. Things like that. Yeah. Dogs are a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know even already we've identified some things as good habits or bad habits. And mm-hmm. I think as a semi-binary person, sometimes I think that mm-hmm. way about good emotions, bad emotions. And I know yep. we kind of try to, around emotions, especially your feelings, try to say that it's just kind of like all information that's telling us mm-hmm. things about ourselves. Uh, how do we approach habits in a way that like helps us evaluate our habits totally. um, to understand if they're healthy, if they're serving us, if they're no longer serving us? Because I think I have a tendency to think like that's such a bad habit. I need to change it. It's like, well, like you said, some of it may be based off of a trauma response or something like that. And that has kept you alive or that was just ingrained in you. So how do we evaluate kind of the status of our habits? Yeah, that's a great mm. question. So we, we can replace good and bad with, you know, healthy, unhealthy or helpful yeah. or um, serving or not serving. And so my habits need to be a direct reflection of my values. Mm-hmm. And if they're not an extension of my integrity, then they need to be addressed and looked at. Yeah. And it can get, like you said, I like the word murky. It can get murky because oftentimes my habits are just time fillers. Mm-hmm. And they they serve no purpose mm. when I could be doing something else with my time that is more healthy. Yeah. Right. So an example I can give is when I stop at a stoplight, every time, 
for no reason, I look at my phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why am I looking at my phone? Why? Right. And it's every stoplight. It's a stop sign. If I'm, I'm like, what am I doing here? And there are so many other things I could be doing with my time mm-hmm. in that moment. I could be praying. I could be practicing mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I could be um, <laughs> practicing being grateful. I could be actually present in the moment and yeah, looking around. Be, Where be am I? Present in. I mean, being a better driver. That's yeah, what I do. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could be being a. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at least I'm only looking at my phone when I'm stopped. But still, it's not. It's just yeah. not good. It's not healthy. Yeah. And so, for me, I value mm-hmm. being a person that is present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not going, 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 going. Always thinking about what do I have to do next? Do, 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 do. And staring at my phone mm-hmm. every time I stop because I don't want to either feel bored or have to be present in the moment. That's not aligned with my values. And so I don't know if that's a good example. No, I think no, that's a, a great, great example. example. I think. Uh, I'm so grateful that you said even just like being present. Mm -hmm. I think when you said like, oh, I use these things to fill my time. What else could I be doing instead of that? Like the doer in me is like, and I could learn a new language and I could like redecorate my house and get more done at work and be, I could cook more. Like I I think the doer in me wants to achieve more when I'm like, oh, if I'm not on my phone as much, if I'm breaking that Mm -hmm. habit or if I'm breaking the habit of watching TV every night or whatnot. But I think like the alignment with values is so important because like Mm. I have a very hard time time just being just right. sitting with myself right. I think a lot of people do and mm-hmm. so like how if we get clear about our values and maybe doing is helpful to some of that maybe I do like maybe cooking does give me life or mm-hmm. whatever but like also just that being present with who you are practicing mindfulness practicing gratitude whatever is an, an, an amazing alternative to these time-filling habits yes yeah, yeah absolutely well said um, when we were kind of talking about this topic and just brainstorming a little, you said something to me that I wrote down that was like really impactful. You said, if our habits are not aligned with our values, we drift off course in a substantially subtle way. Mm-hmm. And there was just Ooh, something, I know, substantially subtle. subtle. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about, so many of us feel like something's a little bit off in our lives. Mm-hmm. Just, I think the last couple of years in particular, we were given the opportunity to either double down or make a lot of changes. And it's scary to look at that, but something just a little bit's off, and it's the subtle, substantially subtle things that start to just like, oh, I'm filling my time, or I replace this with this, or I've fallen into a, a rhythm that doesn't serve me. And so it's just, I think it's a really interesting thought because I know as my tendency as a doer as well, I'm like, okay, let's set goals, let's chase big things, let's do the vision, when really it's the habits that make up mm-hmm. the big things in our lives. Mm-hmm. What we're doing in a small, minutia, micro moments every day adds up to the sum of our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of approach the new year, I think that's an interesting thing to think through of why would we look at habits versus setting goals or why would we look at our values and how do we start to do mm-hmm. some of that? Because I think we're in a season where people are wanting to do that. Yeah, totally. But if you think about it, I can't think about one goal mm-hmm. that I've ever set and accomplished that did not require a new habit to form. Mm. I really can't. Can y'all think of one? No. I think it oftentimes is a lot of habits. Yeah. Like if I want a goal of yeah. spending more time with my family, it's, mm-hmm. it's prioritizing my work schedule differently and waking up earlier. It's like mm-hmm. all those things. Or if mm-hmm. I want a goal of running a marathon, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not just practicing running, but it's mm-hmm. making time in your schedule. It's eating probably a little differently. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we... I know I do. I can put so much focus on the end goal. Mm-hmm. And what is the thing that I wrote down on that to-do list I just want to check off where I can see it, I can envision it, but all the things that need to take place beforehand, like you said, they're subtle, they're small. Mm-hmm. And what's cool, though, is that once you change one unhealthy habit, if you will, or tweak it a little bit, yeah, it becomes easier to do more, <laughs> I think, and to do more and more and more. But you kind of said it last time we talked of starting small yeah. and choosing one. Yes. Starting there. But um, I, when I was reading the research, I was talking about how, like, if you just look at the habit loop, that's, mm-hmm. that's a term in, in our, you know, the mental health space of there's a cue, there's a repeated behavior, and then there's a reward. And if you look at that loop system, 
to change a habit, we need to focus less on the cue and the reward and on the behavior. And so it's taking what is the behavior that we're doing and replacing it with something Mm. else. So back to my example of staring at my phone for no stinking reason, when I, the cue was, okay, I'm at a stoplight. There's the cue, get the phone out. Well, I can't change the cue because I'm going to be at stoplights, you know, because I'm yes. a driver. And, I, and so instead of trying to change that and the reward, I'm going to replace looking at my phone with those things that we just said. I'm going to have three different things that I can practice. And the more I do them, the more I repeat that behavior, mm-hmm. then eventually when I stop at a stoplight and y'all ask me in a year from now <laughs> if what's happening at your stoplights, Megs, hopefully I will be doing something way different and it won't even be involving my phone. Right. And then it'll become second nature to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think when we set out into the new year, it can feel daunting um, because I think I love the idea of establishing habits rather than just goals because Mm -hmm. it's okay if those things intermix and you have habits that work towards a goal. But I think sometimes if I set a goal, like I'm going to not drink for January or Mm -hmm. I'm going to work out every day in January as we're like starting out the new year. I think a lot of people have that. If it's January 7th and I didn't work out, then I think like, ah, screw it. I messed it up. Like now it's over. And I think with habits, it's, it's, you want to continually do it, but Mm. likely you're going to drive home today. And even if you're really intentional, Four out of the six stoplights, you'll probably still pick up your phone right. like habitually. But two right. out of those but six. But two out of them yeah. you practiced. Exactly. And so maybe by next week it's three out of six. And yeah. maybe yeah. it can, can increase over time. And so it's a much more graceful approach for mm-hmm. me and much more invitational because I want to do something that I can work towards instead of just feeling like, oh, I blew it. And now mm-hmm. I'm not going to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can treat it as a practice and oftentimes – Phil RCOO here, he often says, like, this is a practice, not a perfect. And I think that's what habits really invite us into. And sometimes goals, goals can be really healthy. But for my relationship around goals, sometimes it can feel like a perfect. And, like, well, I'm already not perfect around it. So Mm -hmm. what's the point? But Mm -hmm. I love that invitation for habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like that that graceful spin you put on it. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. I know that with some – the clients we get to work with here – Something that comes up a lot or shows up a lot is, like you just said, well, I tried it for a week and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've been doing something for years, it's going to take us a little bit longer than a week or two to replace that that habit. So, yeah, it's it's celebrating the small wins, no Mm -hmm. matter how small they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and gosh, as my grandmother always said, your shoulder better be hurting from patting yourself on the back because we have to. Like, we have to. Yesterday, in preparation for this podcast, I did not chew gum, not a single piece of gum. Wow. There were moments when I thought I would die. However, at the end of the day, when I laid in bed, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I really did it. And Uh it sounds so silly, y'all, but I'm telling you, the cravings are real. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a legit thing. And so I laid in bed last night, and I was so excited to tell both of you that I didn't chew a single piece of gum I've only had two today. Yeah. So it's a practice. Right? Yes, but I also have two in my pocket right now. Just I in case. That yeah, was one of my case. questions is like, <laughs> how do we help ourselves mm-hmm. reach our habits? Yeah. Like it's hard when I think in my mind I can justify a lot because it's like chewing gum's not gonna kill me. And mm-hmm. so I think like, oh, I'll just whatever, I want to be chewing less, but I'll store a bunch of it in my pocket. And so, and I'm not saying that's a negative thing. I think I I can easily justify myself away from mm-hmm. the habits I want to mm-hmm. be setting. Yes. And so what kind of like, how can we hold ourselves accountable? How can we like physically agree with our values mm-hmm. uh, to work towards them in a way mm. that's like both graceful to ourselves and like consciously choosing something more, you know? Yeah. yeah, great question. So I think that it's all it's important that we have to share and note that we're talking about habits that are not severe. Mm-hmm. Right. So so the addictions counselor in me just just heard, well, if we have a habit of drinking and we're an right. alcoholic, then we need to, you know, completely limit exposure, sure. all that stuff. And so we're not necessarily talking about that. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are some principles that can transfer, you know, on yep. the continuum of, of habits, if you will. And so limiting access or, or exposure if, you know, let's say that, oh, what would be a good example? You're you're trying to Eat less sugar. Okay, well, then don't have a candy drawer in your house right, kind of thing. Right, 
But being held accountable, having someone that you know and trust, mm-hmm. people in your corner that you can check in with on a weekly basis, doesn't have to be daily, yeah. unless you want it to be, but someone that you know, they know that you're on this track and you're trying to trying to do this. Right. Super helpful. Also, like we talked about, getting help in terms of if you mm-hmm. if you're looking for a professional counselor or someone that can help guide you in a, in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Just because we don't know, we don't know. And learning new tools is super important. Celebrating the small ones, like you said. Yeah. And uh, for me, it, this does not work for everybody. It just doesn't. But if I don't write it out and I don't create a, a plan that right. I can see tangibly, mm-hmm. right? it's hard. I'll forget about it. Right. I have to have it written out. And so knowing how you learn is important. Yeah. Knowing how yeah. you retain information is important. I don't know if I answered your question. No, totally. No, I mean, it was just more of a curiosity mm-hmm. for you. I think I'm trying to think that through too. I'm I'm in a season of a lot of stress. And so I found myself mm-hmm. gravitating more towards things that comfort me yeah. or things I use to yeah. medicate. Yeah. And uh, it's, a lot of that's my phone yeah. or just like zoning out and watching TV every night. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about even the tangible example of like driving. I do that all the time. Like yeah. I'm at a stoplight. I'm like, I'm not. I don't need to text anyone right now. Like, right. what am I doing? Right, right. Um, but I was trying to think through, like, how could I actively agree with this? And it's like, oh, I could put my phone in my bag. My bag right. could still be on my driver's right. floor. So if I get in a car accident, I have it. Like, right. whatever. But I could put it in my bag. Yeah. I just would have to agree that I'm going to do that. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and I think another important thing that I was thinking about, which I just hadn't really thought about before, but is the replacement of something. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're still going to want to chew your gum. I'm still going to want to go check my phone. I'm mm-hmm. still going to numb out and watch mm-hmm. TV tonight. And I think some of that is okay. But like if if I'm wanting to, it gives us the choice to say like, is this what I actually want? If right. we can note, pause, notice what we're feeling right. enough to offer an alternative. And if we say like, no, I want, to, I want this today and I'm going to do something else tomorrow. Yeah. But the replacement habit I think is really important. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I would suggest having three alternatives already that you could, like you said, replace it with, but having at least three that you can try out. You yeah. don't want to try to, to change a habit without something as a plan B, as a backup, yeah. if you right. will. Right. That, that can get more difficult, I feel like. And so, right. yeah, having those things already. Right. But if I want to watch TV tonight, I could have a plan to... Right. I have the options. I can take my dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. I can call a friend or I can read a book and... Those mm-hmm. are some things that I could offer as a replacement. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. identify the options ahead of time yeah, and yeah. not while you're in the minute. Right, I'm never going to want them in the minute. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to look at my phone right now, so what could I do? What could I do? Um, look at my phone. Oh, I'll look yeah, at my yeah, phone yeah, to see yeah. what I could do. Right, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Proper preparation for sure. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. I feel like personally I have been in a season where I, when you mentioned justifying, I've kicked up some bad habits like over the last couple of years, like, well, we don't have a lot, so – you know, I can't go and do the things like in COVID, I like ate a bunch of junk food because I was like, well, it's the least I can do. Or I started ordering out to DoorDash and not making meals or, you know, just like the justifying behavior. And I think what's really helped me is returning to something you said at the beginning, Megan, is saying, what's the type of person I want to be? And when I think about habits, like I think even James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, talks about this. He says like the people that are successful in losing weight like starts with, I want to be the type of person that goes to the mm-hmm. gym three times a week mm-hmm. rather than saying, I want to lose 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's about like what type of person. And so it's starting even with your motivation and your values and your intentions mm-hmm. to say like, what does this action that I'm taking yeah. actually align with what I want to be and who I want to be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the way that your your self-talk was sounding. It was even like very clear that it was in misalignment with your values. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a difference if you can empathetic. I feel like I've been there. It's like been a hard day and I just bawled my eyes out in therapy and mm-hmm. I'm like proud of my growth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do I need right now? Oh, yeah. I need to rest or I need to watch a movie or something. Yeah. And that's different than saying like, well, it's like the victim mentality yes. of like, well, this is this is all I can get. Or at least is, I can or have like, it, whatever. You know, like the way we talk about ourselves, I feel like is a really good indicator mm-hmm. of if we're defending um, mm-hmm. our values or if we're engaging with them. Mm, that's good. Hi, Mackenzie. Hey, Anna. I'm loving this conversation with Megan. Oh, it's so good. All about habits and she's so brilliant. And I wanted to jump in and make sure that we talk about our new free resource, How to Hack Your Emotional Health and Why You Can't Afford Not To. 
I love this resource. I'll brag on you for a second because okay. you are one of the guides. You are the guide through this resource. And so uh, it's a video resource that we put together and mm-hmm. it's completely free because we really just want to equip you all to yeah. invest in your emotional health uh, in this new year and specifically start to build some healthy habits um, at onsite. I know we, we've said it in this episode as well, but change doesn't happen in these grand swoops. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the 180 degree changes, it often happens in the two degree shifts. Yes. And so that's why I love the power of habits, love this whole conversation we're having, but specifically why I love this free class that is so practical. So bite size, it's three short videos and, a, and some supplemental work, but a really accessible way to kind of kickstart the new year. Thank you. I, we had a lot of fun making this one. And I do think it's a resource that all of us need totally. because it, it asks us to do exactly what Megan's been talking about in this entire interview is assess our values, return back to the type of person that we want to be. And then we outline the anatomy of a habit and how to get really practical yeah. in changing the way that you automatically respond to things in your life. So yeah. if you're ready to hack your habits, ready to hack your emotional mental health, Sign up for this free resource at onsiteisonline.com backslash habits. So this would be my encouragement. If you're listening to this and saying, okay, I want to take all my habits. You're not hearing Megan say, I want to stop chewing gum and stop looking at my phone and do this and do this and do this. I think you need to start with one because I would be like, I'm going to do a complete 180 of my life and change all my bad habits. Switch it up. But I, (laughs) yeah, switch it up. Uh, But I love the idea of once you establish one habit, it's easier to kind of build onto the next one um, and just start like doing habit stacking even of like, hey, I've replaced this activity, then it's followed by this activity. Um, And we often talk about the two degree shift here and it Mm -hmm. being the small incremental changes over time that make the biggest difference rather than trying to change everything at once. I love the idea of habit stacking. I don't feel like I knew that until a couple years ago. And it's like, oh, I'm already doing this part of my life. Mm -hmm. What can I add into it that is helping me reach my values more? Like if you want to be a person of presence, I want to be more present. I don't know if you guys do this, but like when I brush my teeth, I'm trying to like sit there and brush my teeth and be more present with like, what is the feeling? What's happening on? Rather than I'm... (laughs) Because I have a habit of like starting to think about the day and da 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 spiraling. Yeah. And so. <laughs> I love that. Like I already have a habit of brushing my teeth. Wow. So when I'm I brush really my impressed. teeth, <laughs> I try to like be present and think about what am I doing right That's now? That's hilarious. I send emails when I brush my teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> busy on my phone for sure. Yeah. I'm like, this is great, useful time right uh-huh. here. Boom. Totally, totally. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm I do like that. filling out my water bottle, going for yes. a lap around the house. Sometimes I, love I do that squats though. while I'm. Come on, little mama. You know, I want to be the type of person that's all or something, yeah. not all or nothing. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. I think that's, yeah. I think. Habit stacking is such an invitation to be present and mindful about yeah. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think one that I recently have started to try to do is I um, realize, like, as soon as I wake up, I grab my phone and yeah. uh, I get my dog because he's, like, whining at my door. And then I'm, like, I, like, complain about, like, not being at home because I'm at work and I miss my dog and I don't spend enough time with him or whatever. But I'm, like, I am with him. But as soon as I wake up, I'm just on my phone sitting yeah. next to him. So I'm, like, if I want to actually spend time with my dog or take him for a walk, like, I have that time. I'm just yeah. not doing it. So in the morning, I'm trying to get my coffee and just sit with my dog for 15 minutes before I start my day. Because I'm, like, those two things bring me peace, mm-hmm. but I don't need to add my phone into it mm-hmm. because I'm, that actually pulls me out of those two so things. So the habit is you're already getting coffee. I'm already you're getting coffee. replacing phone So now I'm going to sit and be present with instead. Walter. With Walter. <sighs> uh, Walter. You know, but I think I'm already doing something, mm-hmm. and then I basically – sideswipe it all the time by throwing in technology. Yes. And I love technology. I work in marketing. It's a huge advantage for a lot of things. It gives us access to people and resources. But when we don't use it mindfully, it can obviously mm-hmm. take over. Yes, it's the intentional activity. Uh, you asked at the beginning why we picked you, Megan, why we asked you to do this. And I think there's two reasons. I have a lot of bad habits that I need to <laughs> change, number one. No. Well, I do. One, I would love to hear um, you are our director of equine here. So I want to hear, like, how do habits play into horses and equine and therapy and all of that. And also just kind of the science and the brain behind habits. Mm Because, like, you mentioned earlier, someone's like, I tried it for a week and it didn't work. Like, Mm -hmm. we have to do the intentional activity and kind of rewire our brain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to create a newer newer pathway for sure. So, um, yeah, good question. The It's funny how there are certain animals – 
that are habitual. And then there are those that survive and thrive by patterns and repetition and predictability. And horses are one of them. They are creatures of habit through and through and through and through and through. And and they they have to be. Hmm. And I was thinking about this the other day when, when we talked about the podcast. Horses are such great teachers for, for so many reasons. They, I mean, you know, what the therapeutic power that they have in terms of just how we can connect with them and how they can help us better understand our relationship with others and with our, within ourselves. Horses are great teachers of habits because they can form healthy ones on an unhealthy ones quickly, but they also can change them when they're in a connected, healthy partnership with mm, a human. That's good. Yeah. Like they don't have to stay in it. They don't have mm. to stay in that unhealthy pattern. Studying horses in the wild, it's it's so awesome because you can watch them form their habits. Mm-hmm. Where they go get fresh water, where mm-hmm. they graze, where they eat, who are their buddies, who's the horse that they go to normally to play with mm-hmm. and, and get curious with. And when you watch them, just like any most other animals in the wild, they form these paths. Also, my brain thinks in metaphors and in pictures. And so yeah. when you watch a horse and if you go to any horse pasture, like if you ever come to onsite, you'll see our horse troughs. And there is very much a trail that leads mm, to mm-hmm. every single trough. And it's 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 interesting because it's not like around the water trough, there's just a bunch of footprints. Horses, again, being habitual, they'll come from the same way. Mm. Um, and some horses do it differently. Like we have a horse here that he typically comes to the water trough from the right. And then there's another horse here that he usually comes from the left. And it's just, it's it's cool to watch, but that that path is such a good representation of mm. the neural pathways in our brain. Same with mm. deer. Deer have this uh, typically the same pattern, and they walk the same trail through the woods. And if they keep walking it, keep walking it, now you see deer trails. It's an actual thing. And so when you're on for a little hike in the woods and you see these trails, that was formed because some animal keeps walking it the same way for a reason. There's a cue. They repeat this behavior on the same path. There's a reward at the end. Food, water, mating, shelter, sleep, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so our brain's the same thing. If we go down the same path over and over and over again, as in a neuron fires mm-hmm. down a neural pathway over and over and over again, the same one, well, it's going to create a habit, and our brain likes to go down that neural pathway because it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So We're conserving energy. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's familiar. And what's mm-hmm. familiar is comfortable for us, and comfortable— What's familiar and comfortable is is safe for us, even if it's unsafe. Mm. Yeah. So we have to take the time and practice going down, letting our brain form a new neural pathway and go walking down a new trail. And eventually that one is going to be the one that's more preferred. But Mm. it takes time. Sometimes it can take years. Right. Sometimes it can take months, weeks, days, whatever that is. But... It's it. Some things can feel like going through withdrawal. It does not mm-hmm. feel good. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you really actually can have feelings of withdrawal, panic, mm-hmm. impeding doom, uh, nausea, mm-hmm. feelings of fear, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is like one, like it's not going to be comfortable. Changing a habit is not going to be comfortable. But two, it is possible. It's possible to rewire our brains and kind of change the path sure. that we're walking in. And three, from the horse example, that we do it better in community. Yeah, we do it better with accountability. We do it better with encouragement. Totally. We do it better when we're connected both to ourselves and other people. And what we would say at onsite is that we can't be deeply connected to other people if we're not deeply connected to ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Here's an example I can give. If you have a horse that they walk through their pasture and a group of people, they're, they're walking on the fence line and someone's rain jacket, you know, flies off their, their arm in a scary way, and it spooks the horse. Mm. And that horse spooks right there in that moment in that exact location, that pasture. The next day, that horse could go out there to that same part of the pasture and could have a response, and it could, it could spook. And that could happen every day, regardless if the people were even there or not. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to see, the, or he or she, the horse doesn't need to see the rain jacket anymore. Now... That spot in the pasture is associated with this thing happened that was bad right. that looked like it was going to eat me, and so I'm going to have a, a response. But if I go out there with the horse, mm-hmm. and the horse and I are in relationship together, and we're working 
through it together, they might spook the first time. Right. But eventually, the horse and I can work through it together where the horse now knows, oh, Right. I'm not in danger here mm-hmm. anymore. I can walk through this part of the pasture, right? And I'm safe. And now a new habit is formed of when I walk through this part of the pasture, I don't spook, and I can eat and graze here, and everything's good. Totally. So yes, back to what you said, we are able to form new habits or change unhealthy ones in a more productive and efficient way when we're in community. Mm. Absolutely, just like horses. I think I find it when I'm in community with other people who are doing the same thing or pursuing the same things, I do better. Like, I think think about my emotional wellness journey and how it has taken leaps and bounds by putting myself in relationship with people who are pursuing the same thing. I went through a season where I spent a lot of time with people um, in my last job who, like, talked a lot about money. And it was—I worked for, you know, an organization that helped people with their finances— and being around those types of people really helped me pay attention to my finances and look at my money habits, and I felt supported. So I was in a season where I was trying to pay off debt, and I didn't feel a lot of shame to say to them, hey, guys, I can't go out to lunch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in mm-hmm. – they reinforced my habits in a way that was really healthy and productive. And I feel that, you know, in healthy community and healthy relationships with people who are going to affirm my good habits and help challenge me on my bad ones. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, how do we know when our habits have reached a point that we need external help? Yeah, for sure. So when they're unsafe for you or for others, when they are affecting your, you know, ADLs, activities of daily living. Mm. Um, again, I'm going back. I can't help but look at it from the addictions lens just yeah. because that's, yeah. you know. What you do. Yeah. So when they're impeding and impacting our life in a way that is now affecting our health mm-hmm. and our ability to show up and be present. So when a habit becomes so significant that when we no longer do it, our dependence shows up mm-hmm. and we, mm-hmm. yeah, dysregulate, we become uh, unsafe. So, you know, I've, the obvious example is when an alcoholic stops drinking, right? Mm-hmm. you know, if they go cold turkey, that can be very dangerous. Right. Or when... When we aren't able to be on our phone or have screen time and that phone gets taken away from us, uh, do we become, you know, depressed, anxious? Right. Are we having panic attacks? Do we have suicidal thought? Like that kind of stuff. And so I think that, you know, well, first of all, you know, what's funny. People know when they need to get help with a habit. Yeah. They already know it. That's not the issue. Yeah. They they totally know it. It's saying it out loud and then actually following through with it. That's the hard part. Yeah. So... Oftentimes, people already know, like, you know, I should probably look into this, probably get a little bit of professional right. assistance with it. But it's um, it's having the courage to say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to share it with someone and to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I think having that courage early on, I think sometimes we think we can't ask for help until it's catastrophized and we've yep. hit rock bottom or this yep. habit's totally derailed us. If it gets to an extreme of abuse of a substance mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But... I think when it's when it's seemingly smaller in our brains, we can belittle it to mm-hmm. say that's oh that's just a bad habit of mine or that's such mm-hmm. a nasty habit or I don't mm-hmm. want to do that anymore. Where I could say like oh actually this habit is unhealthy for me and it's not working for me and I'm sorry it's affecting you. Yes, I'd like to change it. Yes, yeah. um, I think there's courage in saying that. And I think instead, oftentimes we feel shame in saying that. And so if we could switch our, even the way we talk to ourselves and say like, hey, identifying this stuff is good. (laughs) This is healthy first start. And if we don't even acknowledge that, no, this is actually not good for me, even if it's a quote unquote small thing, we aren't going to put any action to it. We aren't going to change anything Mm -hmm. unless Mm -hmm. if we acknowledge it first. Mm -hmm. Yes, acknowledge is huge. We have to acknowledge it. We have to take the time to actually do a scan of our everyday living. Yeah. And what is what is serving us and what is not. But acknowledging it is is key in getting the courage to see and look at the why behind it. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I really doing this? Right. Mm. The majority of the habits that I do, the the well, I guess you could say unhealthy and healthy ones, actually, but definitely the majority of the Habits that I have changed, I was doing them because I was bored. Mm. Right. And I would, I would run from boredom with, for, with everything in me. 
That's the last thing I wanted to feel. Bored mm-hmm. or uncomfortable, but more so bored. I can sit in conflict and be uncomfortable. That's, that's a little bit easier than being bored for me. Mm-hmm. And so looking at why am I doing things yeah. to avoid feeling bored? Right. Like, why am I really doing that? Knowing the why is also so important because it, it can give us a, a sense of having grace for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when I, when I realize this is why I'm doing it, it's kind of like, oh, man, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, I know that I've worked with some, some awesome clients who they're, they're so resilient and vulnerable and doing the work. And they'll say, man, I feel like I'm stuck in the why. Feeling stuck in the why is in like, here's what I'm doing. I can't really figure out why I'm doing it. Yeah. But I don't want to do it anymore. And so we can sit and be stagnant in trying to figure out why for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we're not at the place of yeah. Understanding being ready why. to know why. Right. Yeah. That might be in a couple years down the road. Uh, in our work or right. just, we're just not in the place. Right. And so I would also encourage folks to not stay stagnant and trying to figure out why. Just move forward and do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, take take action with it. The right. why will come later, if yeah. ever. That's right. good. You know? Yeah. I think, um, obviously, uh, a lot of our approach here at Onsite is experiential and moving yeah. with our bodies, mm-hmm. agreeing with things, and habits in and of themselves are somatic. They're mm-hmm. body yeah. choices, usually. And so I think even... Sometimes in in the therapeutic space, I don't know exactly what, even when we when I've done pieces of work here at Onsite, and by that I mean a, a one of our guides is leading me through an emotional experience or something like that, and sometimes I don't know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I just know I need to start. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in the room with my guide Kim, and I, she was like, "What do you want to work through right now?" And I couldn't figure out what exactly I was feeling stuck in, mm-hmm. but I, she was like, "Okay, let's walk. Like, let's walk and let's talk and let's like let's get moving." Mm-hmm. And so just agreeing with my body that like I want something to change. Yeah. I don't know what. Or yeah. I don't know why I need that to change. And then by agreeing with my body, eventually the why does come out, you know? Mm, and so even good. if we can't figure out, oh, oh, I'm, and I think sometimes I get stuck on just the why. I'm like, I can trace back immediately. Like, oh, I know I'm doing that because of my childhood wound and I'm doing this and I'm feeling this mm-hmm. with that. And it's like, <laughs> but if I don't agree with my body too in the change, I get just stuck there. And so both like inquiring about the why, getting curious about it, but then also saying like, I'm going to agree to do something differently yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Knowing why Good doesn't thoughts. always bring the the change that you need to do. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can almost pat myself on the back for figuring out the why. Almost enough to justify making the change. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the being brave enough to say, okay, I know why this is happening. I know why I'm doing it, but I'm not going to continue to be a victim to it. Yeah. Um, or blame it or say, like, this is the reason. And I'm just going to change. I'm going to. I'm going to take the uncomfortable action to do that. Yeah. So my therapist often is like, hey, stop explaining it to me. How does it make you feel? Like, oh, yeah. you don't need to tell. Yeah. I know you know. Like, good job. Yeah. Like, right. you're aware. And does it make you sad? Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. then, oh, this habit, whatever I'm doing, oh, that makes me sad. I don't mm-hmm. like that this is making me feel unfulfilled. Like, yeah. understanding that too is enough of a reason and a motivator to change. Mm hmm. That's so good. And I think a lot of this, we've talked about um, unhealthy habits, but I think there's so much potential in instilling new healthy habits, not just as a replacement, but like, hey, we want to envision our lives. We're at the start of this new year. We want to work towards a better version of ourselves. We want to cast towards these values that we have and set out in our lives. And maybe we don't know what those are yet, but Mm -hmm. we can use this, even this conversation, listening to this podcast as an invitation to get curious about those things. I love that's how we started this out, that your habits have to be in an alignment with your values. And so I think how could we encourage people to use habits in a way that benefits? Why would we use habits for our mental health? What is yeah. the benefit of leaning into habits um, for our emotional well-being? Yeah, for sure. It goes back to those neural pathways. A habit is taking a hike down a trail in our brain. Hmm. Mm. And it can be a great trail or it can be a trail that we've, we've just been on it for so long that we don't even realize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know that there are other trails in the forest, so to speak, metaphorically, that are prettier. Mm. The The birds sing more clearer on that trail. Yeah. And so taking a look at what are your habits and seeing, like we said, does this align with who I want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who I really want to be. Yeah. And am I 
doing these things to justify something that I don't want to justify anymore. Right. Mm. Uh, a habit has such potential to feed our brains with nutritious food or deplete us. Mm. It, it can be very extreme, one or the other. And I hope that people can find encouragement mm-hmm. in that we can actually change our yeah. bad habits. There are not many things that I argue about in the mental <laughs> health space for lots of reasons, and nor do I have any right or clout to. I mean, none, zero. However, I do get a little passionate, a little <laughs> passionate when I hear people say, and you can you can go online and, and read some research and read some studies and some articles that we can never get rid of a bad habit. I disagree. Yeah. I won't share on a, pi- a podcast, but I have a couple real ones that were very bad and very unhealthy that they are no longer a part of me. Mm-hmm. They don't show up. I can use them as examples to better help clients, and I can serve other people by sharing my story. And I got rid of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I hope that people can have some encouragement yeah. around if you're we in a place. Change. Yeah, we, we absolutely can change. Yeah. Absolutely. We were created to change. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Yeah. And if there's folks out there who are listening and they're like, oh, I, I don't like New Year's resolutions. I don't really, you know, I don't look at my life that way. Or I am in the same boat. I have never set a New Year's resolution ever. My best friend does it every year and she kills them. She's amazing at it. For me, it's because I can be way too far in the future. Like I said, not being present in the moment that it's actually not helpful for me. And so I'm more of a today. Mm hmm. This mm-hmm. week, like maybe this month. But yeah, I would hope that folks can find encouragement around. We can change our habits. We can create new ones. Yeah. And they're so linked to our mental health and our intern. Like we talked about. Oh, we didn't say this, but one of the root words of Latin. What is it called again? Wait, we have to see this. Habitus. Yeah. Habitus. <laughs> habitus. habitus? I, I would assume it's habitus. Yeah. That Latin root word means your condition or your internal state of well-being, mm-hmm. like your internal, your your state. Yeah. That speaks volumes, you know? Yeah. If you really want to see how someone's doing, you can look at their habits. If you want to see how you're doing, look at what are you doing habitually, yeah. often unconsciously, over and over and over again. Right. When I look at people I admire or mm-hmm. people that I think are healthy or people that I want to be around, it's not that they just have done these grand swooping things that made them that way. It's they respond kindly when someone's short with them. It's that they are mm-hmm. patient when whatever. They, yes. It's these habits that they've formed over a lifetime that aren't even things that we would consider habits because yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, and they drink eight glasses of water. And maybe they <laughs> do too, but they it's how they treat themselves yes. and yeah. how they treat others. And those things didn't mm-hmm. just happen. Right. after a really good therapy right. appointment. They like, created rhythms and they created to a support rhythm that. to train their internal bodies mm-hmm. and minds and souls to agree with their values exactly. so they can live in that way. Exactly. And that's what ha- the power that it has on our mental health. And I love that you said like everyone has the capacity to change. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we write ourselves off. Like, well, it's just the way I am or it's just the way they are. Like that family member, this yeah. person that's difficult. It's like, no, everyone can change, whether it's a habit a practice, a rhythm, like all of who we are has a capacity. My When I did my Living Center program, one of the people I learned from the most was a 75-year-old man that wanted mm. to do the program. And yeah. I, I was like shocked to see someone yeah. in that stage of life want seeing the value of investing in themselves. And he was like, it's never too late to change. Like, yeah. I don't love how I lived a lot of my life, but I want to do it differently for my last couple of years. And I think that's such an encouragement for all of us whether it's a habit or a state of being or an emotion we want to feel more or a practice we want to develop for the new year, that we have the capacity to change. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I like that. You have the capacity to change. And I like want to encourage people to give themselves grace and celebrate along the way. Mm -hmm. Because I think those are two things that are underrated, especially in our culture that tells us we need to be more, perform more, be human doings and not human beings. But it's we're not going to reach that point unless we take the time to celebrate and give ourselves grace. I'm not in a season where I can tackle all the habits that I want, all the goals right now, because I, well, I'm very pregnant. And two, I have a toddler and I'm, I want to be the type of person who gets up every morning and meditates, Mm. but 
But a habit you're forming that I see you do is you yeah. do affirmations with your daughter every day. I do. And that's going to change not just her, but you. It's how you relate to her. It's how mm-hmm. you mother. It's how you express it to your friends. And so even if we're thinking we can't accomplish all these habits that are on our, like, goal list yes. or checklist, it's like – What is a small thing I can do What today? can you do with mm-hmm. the time you have, with the energy you have, and how do you work towards that? And I would say you wouldn't even have identified that as a habit because it's something you do every day now. Yeah. And so how can we start to build towards those and establish them in our Mm-hmm. Thanks, hand. That's yeah, a good I love one. that habit. It is course. good. I love it. What I would be remiss to do as we end this conversation is, if you're thinking, "Hey, I want to figure out how to use habits to better help me align with who I want to be in the rhythms and routines that come naturally to me," we have a really great resource. It's called "How to Hack Your Emotional Health and Why You Can't Afford Not to," and it dives into the anatomy of a habit, how habits inform our lives, how they make up our lives. And it also walks you through some exercises to figure out who is the type of person you want to be and how do you align that with your values and align that with your goals. So I just want to make sure you guys check it out because it's an awesome resource. It's so good and it's free and it's been really helpful in my life Mm -hmm. just to kind of reevaluate what habits do I have? Who do I want to be? Especially as we head into the new year, it's such a good optimal time to do it. And even if you're New Year's adverse or goal adverse, <laughs> like me, which I I think I kind of into. I don't really like being yeah. told what to do, and so no, I don't no, like no, the no. internet telling me to like become a new me, you know. But it really is a good invitation to kind of pause and say like, what matters? How do I build towards that? And so I love that. I love that free class. Awesome, Megan. Thank you for sitting in with us. It was fun. It thank was you. fun. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.